Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, thanks for listening to the Big Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network, live from Washington, D.C., in my somewhat less than palatial home studio. I'm Burke Allen. Thank you so much for listening wherever you are. We're brought to you in part by our friends at Speaker Match and SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online speakers bureau. And if you're a meeting planner and uh, your live speaking event is now on the skids because of this global pandemic, Speaker Match can hook you up with virtual speakers as well. Visit SpeakerMatch.com for more information. Our first guest on the program today um, is an author. He's also my buddy. His name is Kevin Miller, and he's got a pretty incredible story of, of finding out at a family funeral, of all things, that his name is not really his name. And it sent him down this rabbit hole of information to find out uh, that nothing he knew about his family life was what he thought it was. But I want to start the conversation, Kevin, and welcome to the podcast with something else that I, I find fascinating. And that is that you think you and some of your immediate family members, you, do, you don't think you are, are convinced that you guys actually had COVID-19 back in the fall. Yeah. Hi, Burke. How you doing, my friend? Um, well, it's all theoretical, but uh, it seems a little uncanny that uh, this virus that uh, my wife and my 13-year-old daughter had uh, back, yeah, yeah, around the fall, Christmassy time, uh, can't really match the symptoms of the COVID-19. Um, so, and and you know, I can't prove that without probably getting a blood test or something. But it's uh, the either either we had the COVID nineteen or there's another virus with the exact same symptoms that was going around about that time. So it was you, your wife, and your daughter. Yeah, it was my wife, uh, my daughter. First, my daughter had uh, come down with the ailment, and then then I got it right after her, and then my wife got it last, and it hit her the hardest. She was. She couldn't breathe. She was having real respiratory problems, and I, I was we were real close to taking her to the ER. So, is that what makes you think that it was COVID nineteen? Was that that breathing issue? It's it's um actually a combination of, of uh, all the symptoms that I'm learning about COVID nineteen now. Initially, we had we all had a fever. We got this dry cough, you know, without a sore throat, you know, just a dry cough that just was a, a constant. And then, um, you know, then, then the respiratory stuff started going into our tubes and then it uh, gradually got worse and it, and it lasted, you know, a couple of weeks or so, kind of like the COVID-19. So it just, it, it was so similar and it's so uncannily similar. I'm, I'm, I'm really convinced that maybe this came a little bit sooner. And it seems like a lot of the news that's coming out now, like in China and stuff, they, they originally claimed December. And I think they're saying now, possibly November that it might've showed up in China. Um, so I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and, uh, it was a little strange. Have you talked to anybody in the medical field about this to see if it, uh, it matches up? Yeah, I actually have a brother who's on the front line. He's a nurse. Um, and you know, big shout out to all of you who are on, on the front line for this virus. But, uh, as I described the symptoms to him, he's, he's, kind of confirms he's like that's those are the symptoms that he's seeing with uh, patients that he sees that have the virus so you know he's 
you know, he he agreed that the symptoms are the same. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. And that was well before we thought there was any of that in the U.S. Had you traveled out of out of uh, America, out of the country? Uh, no, actually, we, we hadn't traveled anywhere. Um, yeah, and I understand. I think the first documented case was in Washington in like middle of January, I believe. Right. That's but right. Uh, I think we were experiencing this weeks before that, you know, a good month before that. So I'm I'm not sure, you know, and, and there's I mean, we're learning a lot of new things each day. And, you know, there's just a lot we don't know about it yet. But it wouldn't surprise me if we find out that it was actually in the U.S. a little bit sooner because I'm getting a lot of feedback from a lot of other folks who claim that, you know, a similar virus that they experienced about that time. How's, uh, how's everybody doing in your family now? How's your wife doing your daughter and how are you feeling? Oh, we're doing great. We're, we're doing really good. I mean, we're still um, practicing all the, uh, you know, the protocols, uh, quarantining ourselves. Our girls are home from school. We have one in, as a senior in high school and one who's in eighth grade. And of course they're driving us crazy. And they're going crazy. Uh, Oh, that's great. tough. You've got and, a daughter uh, who's a a senior in high school. So does that mean is there going to be graduation there? Have they they talked to uh, to your school about what's going to happen? You're in Southern California. I should let our listeners know. Yes, Los Angeles area. So is, does this mean no graduation? She's not going to get a walk. She's not going to go wear the cap and gown. That's a possibility. And I'll tell you, she's really um, she's really bummed out about it. Now her prom was canceled, and some of their big events, both of my daughters, um, they're in choir and dance. So they've had some big events canceled, you know, like a trip to Disneyland to perform, et cetera. So they're really, um, they're really bummed out about it. But hopefully they'll get to, they'll get to walk. They're going to go back onto an on- online type of status uh, next week. So they'll be doing an online school, which is not unfamiliar to them because they were online schooled for about four years. So they're used to it. What is your brother who's a, a nurse? What does he tell you? What's he seeing on the front lines out there? He's um, he's seen a lot of cases, and he he reports back that the majority of the of people who get themselves in trouble are people who have have smoked all their life or have COPD, have have lung issues. That's usually the older crowd. Um, a lot of the younger you know kids and stuff aren't don't seem to be as affected by the virus. But uh, you know he just says if you you know if you're older and you, and you've had any kind of lung issues or asthma or anything then you probably need to take some extra precautions. There's a lot of, of talk uh, about China. And one of the reasons that it had such a grip on China is that most of the adult male population there still smokes. And I can attest right. to that when I was in China a few years ago, oh, yeah. uh, it, you know, it, it's jarring to walk into a restaurant and every guy in there is smoking away, which right. hasn't happened here in, in years. Um, well, I'm glad that you and your family are, are doing fine. Um, you come from pretty resilient stock. I know this from reading your book, Heart of Steel. Uh, uh, and I want to I want to pivot over and talk about that book because lots of sure. folks now have a lot of extra time to do some reading while they're at home. And, and uh, Heart of Steel might be a, a good page turner for them. I think so. I think uh, the uh, readers would actually enjoy the story. It's based on, on a true story. It's written as historical fiction, kind of written more as a novel, uh, less as a biography. Um, kind of fast paced, but yeah, I think it would be a great book, you know, for readers who are sitting home and have nothing else to, to do for the moment. If you want to find out, by the way, more about the book, it's heartofsteelbook.com, right? That's correct. Yeah. Heartofsteelbook.com is where 
you can find a lot about the book. It also has links to uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble where you can purchase it. And, and there's some uh, social media links at the top of the page where you can uh, get in touch with me. I, I love to hear from uh, readers and, uh, and answer the questions because it, it seems that a lot of folks who read the book end up with a lot of questions they want to ask me about uh, my grandfather. Well, and I'm one of those guys. I'm fascinated by this whole story, and, and I'm not the only one. I understand it's being made into a movie, but let, mm-hmm. let's take it back to the beginning. As I understand it, if I've got the story right, uh, you go to a, a family member's funeral, and somebody pulls you aside, and they say what? We found out about this was at a, a family member's funeral, and there was um, – some newspaper articles from 1920. There's actually some cousins who were doing some uh, genealogical research on our family and they came across these newspaper articles and they handed these newspaper articles um, actually to an uncle of mine at, at a funeral and said, you might want to read these because your last name really isn't Miller. So we learned our, our, our true last name is a very Polish name, Puchalski. And uh, it just kind of, threw us for a loop, you know, when, when we learned this. So it kind of sent me on a search to figure out why this was, why my grandfather changed our name in 1920 and kind of turned up a tragedy. Kevin Miller is our guest today. And the book is heart of steel. It's a fascinating book of what Kevin learned about his, his whole family history. And it, it kind of threw everything out that he knew about his entire family. If you'd like to be a part of the show, five, one, six, four, one, eight, five, six, three, five is our number. You can also jump into our blog talk radio chat room. If you have any questions or comments for Kevin Miller today, the show brought to you by our friends at speaker match. If you are a meeting planner and you're trying to figure out what to do about an upcoming speaking event, speaker match can help whether it's a virtual event or in the future, uh, an in-person event, Visit speakermatch.com. All right, so so your uncle is at this funeral, and he gets handed these old newspaper clippings mm-hmm. from almost 100 years ago, and and uh, your name is completely different. Now, when, when folks were coming across, this is around the, the time of Ellis Island, when there were millions and millions of uh, right. folks from Europe that, that made their way to America, it was not unusual to see them um, make their, their very ethnic name somewhat less ethnic to at that time help them get employment in the states and to hmm. to you know sort of fit in here but that's not what happened with your family the name was completely changed and it wasn't at Ellis Island so so take us back to to what led to that change and and what you found as you sort of peeled the onion back on your family's past Oh sure yeah yeah a lot of polish names were changed um in the polish community also when they came over but my name was changed due to a family tragedy that we knew nothing about, and, and we soon learned. Um, my great-grandfather uh, in, was a, a rich farmer in, in a little community called Southington in Ohio outside of Warren Farmfield. He was a rich farmer, and he was actually murdered in his sleep um, one September night in 1920. And uh, as, we re- as I read these articles, it kind of goes along and chronicles the the crime and the investigation over a period of about a week, week and a half. Now the story was he was murdered in his sleep. Uh, Some men, three men broke into the house, their farmhouse stole $600 uh, tied and gagged my great grandmother who um, my grandfather found when he woke up uh, one early in the morning 
And she had uh, told him the story and she sent him to get the sheriff. Um, the sheriff came back, a big investigation ensued. But the strange part of the story is it starts to take some bizarre twists and turns. Um, and uh, I'm giving away too much of the story. You kind of have to buy the book to kind of see where it goes from there. <laughs> it takes some bizarre turns and uh, my sends my grandfather on a, a journey, you know, that that'll change his life forever and, and change the, our family actually for forever. Kevin Miller, our guest today is the author of heart of steel. Check it out at heartofsteelbook.com and Amazon Barnes and Noble. And I, I would say the book is at bookstores everywhere, but you can't get into those bookstores. So best to order it online now as, uh, right. as part of our sheltering in place here and everybody's staying at home and our physical and social distancing. Um, your grandfather was how old when this, this whole episode happened in the middle of the night? He was actually 12 years old, Burke. He, he, um, he was just a kid. So he really didn't understand what was going on, but he ran to get the sheriff and he, and he, yeah, he went through this with his siblings. He had an older sister and uh, three younger siblings that, uh, that, that dealt with this, but it's a, it's a story. It's a, it's an emotional story. Consist of you know family abuse, domestic violence was involved. There's um there's a lot of aspects to it. I mean the story's a murder mystery. It's uh, got family drama, and it even at the end has a love story because the end of the story, the last part of the story, is where where my grandfather meets my grandmother, and he has and she she's the person that kind of helps him come to terms with uh, with all the uh, you know kind of the demons of his life and his past. So, Kevin, I know that you're an, an Air Force veteran. So, first of all, thank you for your service. And so, yeah, thank you. Uh, well, you bet. You uh, are probably like most guys of our generation where you, you don't like to stir the pot a whole lot. And I wonder, mm -hmm. as you began to research this book and you began to find out that, my God, there's a, a murder in my family's background, mm -hmm, right. uh, domestic abuse, there's, you know, lots of skeletons that – uh, probably your grandfather wanted kept in the closet or else he wouldn't have gone to all the trouble to completely whitewash the family's name and change the family's name. So did you have any second thoughts about putting this all down in writing? And secondarily, did you get any pushback from your family members about it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Burke. And, and, and the answer to that is, um, yeah, it was, it was difficult to decide to move forward and tell this story. And we struggled with it. I had a lot of talks with my dad and we sat down and, you know, after we learned the full details of his life and the reason why he changed our name and, and why he took the secret to his grave, because he never told us, he never told any of us, even my dad. But I decided, you know, it's such a great story and it shows I have so much admiration for him and I wanted to tell his story. I felt it was a story that needed to be told for a lot of reasons to honor him. And and also it's it's inspirational. I, I get a lot of feedback from folks who just were so moved by the story and, and it affected their life in a certain way. So I feel good about that. Um, and as far as the family, I, I was concerned a little bit that, yeah, I might get some pushback from family members. But I have to say um, it was overwhelmingly, um, you know, accepted with open arms from from family members. And I heard from a lot of family members. I hadn't even known that who reached out to me and thanked me for writing the book, you know, and 
so, it, uh, so that kind of put my mind at ease a little bit to, to get that kind of feedback. Our guest is Kevin Miller. His book is Heart of Steel. It's an award winner and an Amazon number one bestseller. Check it out at heartofsteelbook.com and amazon.com or wherever you pick up your books online. Um, so, Kevin, I want to ask you a little bit about your own personal relationship with your grandfather. You knew your sure. grandfather. Yeah, I knew him very well. Um, he, he was, like I said, we were, I'm from Canton, Ohio. I was born there. Uh, we moved to Arizona when I was about six years old. My grandparents uh, still lived in, in Canton, but they would come out and visit us a lot. We would go back to Ohio a lot and, and they would come out uh, over the summer and uh, for three months and rent a place. But I spent a lot of time with my granddad and I, I thought I knew him, you know, really well, but apparently not as well as I I really thought so, uh, but uh, I was saw him was in the, the uh, doing a class at Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and he had flown me up over the weekend to see him. And I didn't know at the time he was dying of cancer because he's he's that kind of person. He just wouldn't complain. He he wants to hear about your life. He doesn't want to talk about himself. So um, so yeah, I was close to him, and I, I miss him dearly. Was it tough for you to square away in your head this older gentleman that you knew with what you learned later on? Did it seem like, gosh, this isn't even the same guy? Or or were there common threads that, that went through when, when you said, you know what, I can see my grandfather doing this? Yeah, I, I would say the latter. I, I could definitely see him doing this. I mean, I could see he's that type of person. You know, he was the patriarch of our family. He was the guy that, that everyone turned to. He was the rock that, that every family member leaned on. So I can totally see him in this role, um, you know, taking care of his siblings through this crisis and and really taking care of us all. That's just the kind of person, the kind of man that he was. You know, there has been a lot of talk uh, about this book, and, and you've now been interviewed on television, radio all over the country, and even uh, some shows that, that deal with genealogy uh, have, have mm-hmm. talked to you, like Extreme Genes, which is this nationally syndicated program. Yeah. Uh, did, did you have an interest in, in family history and, and, and research before all this? And, and what have you learned about these, these companies that do that? You know, they're pretty controversial, these companies like 23andMe, because people are finding out all kinds of things that, uh, that really throw their families into turmoil now. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah, we had we've had a, a real interest in uh, in genealogy. Uh, my dad, my brothers, and I we've looked um, through quite a, a bit of family research, and it, so that came into play when when I started doing the research for the book um, so using Ancestry.com and, and actually 23andMe. I did my DNA testing, and and no surprise, I'm about 39% Polish and the rest Irish and English. Um, wow. But, um, yeah, there's a, I get asked this question a lot, but, you know, whether or not you should use the sites and learn things you asked. My personal opinion is it's like I wanted to know the truth. As painful as the truth was, as shocking as it was, it's still the truth of my family, and I embraced it. I wanted to know. But there are a lot of people that I think would, would be hesitant, um, may not want to learn things, you know, like this. And, and I appreciate that and, and respect that. And like you mentioned with 23andMe now, there's a lot of questions, you know, with uh, privacy and, and stuff and things that you might learn that might affect or hurt somebody else, you know. So there's a lot, to, a lot of 
things to kind of consider before you, you move forward with that. Before you unpack it all, as Kevin has done, Kevin Miller, our guest today on the Big Talker podcast, brought to you by Speaker Match and SpeakerMatch.com, the United States' largest online speakers bureau. If you're a speaker, find out how they can help you at SpeakerMatch.com. Okay, so now the book is out. It's winning awards. It's an Amazon number one bestseller. And pretty soon, Hollywood comes calling. So where are you in the process of, of Heart of Steel becoming a, a movie? Yeah, that's really exciting, Burke. I'm, we are so thrilled about that. Um, Heart of Steel is my debut novel, and I'm so humbled and so um, I, I don't I can't describe the feeling. Um, but it's been optioned for a, a book, a movie deal. Uh, and right now, we have a uh, very wonderful and talented uh, screen screenwriter, Ty DeMartino, and he is actually just about finishing up the outline for the screenplay. And then uh, we'll get a chance to review that outline and, and make any adjustments. And then he's going to begin writing that. So probably about three to five months away from having the screenplay written. And then we'll have the screenplay and the book then to start pitching to studios and investors and, and then uh, hopefully get, uh, get it into production, uh, you know, fairly soon. I know that's a long, arduous process, but there sure are yes. a lot of places out there now for, for people to consume media, especially now in this, this new world that we find ourselves living in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were lots of jokes before about all these uh, TV channels and how are right. you ever going to get a chance to watch it now with everybody at home? There seems to be more time to do that. I wonder, I know that you're working on your next book. If, if yeah. you have found this extra time that you have at home helpful to you in, in writing that new book, and can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely been helpful because I, like you said, you, we have to find stuff to do here. We're, we'll go nuts. And we're, we're learning as a, as a PL, you know, we'll be home and, 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 and keep yourself busy, but yeah, I'm spending a lot of time. I'm actually getting through this book pretty quickly. It's, it's writing itself pretty fast. I'm at about chapter 11 now. Um, I'm going to probably have this book finished in, in about three months, as opposed to the three years it took me to do heart of steel with all the research. The book is actually, um, about my great-great-grandmother, who was um, uh, Native American. She was um, what they referred to as Mingo at the time, which I believe is a combination of, of Ohio Seneca and Cayuga in the uh, Haudenosaunee uh, tribe, more commonly known as the Iroquois. Um, the Haudenosaunee don't really recognize the name Iroquois because it was a uh, I think the English brought that in. I think it's a French word the English used to start um, referring to this nation. But their actual name is Haudenosaunee, and it means people of the longhouse. And uh, it, the book is going to kind of follow her life from the 12th and on up uh, through into, into the Civil War, where she meets my great-great-grandfather, who is uh, an Irish immigrant. And so you've got, you know, kind of an interracial marriage, you know, in, in, in the time in the mid to late 1800s and, and on through. So and there is a tie back, uh, an interesting tie back to Heart of Steel that uh, will kind of leave as a surprise uh, for the readers and fan of Heart of Steel. Uh, and they'll uh, I think they'll appreciate this connection. If if someone who's listening right now wants to write and, and they've said, you know, gosh, I've always wanted to write a book. I've wanted to maybe write a, a, a family history book like you've done. Yeah. Where do you start? How do you get off go? 
Yeah, and that's the key is, is to start. I mean, I think step one is to make up your mind that you're going to write this story because so many families have some wonderful stories and stories that need to be told um, and shared. So step one, commit yourself to writing the story and sit down. And if you don't know how to write, I would suggest um, taking some classes, you know, taking some classes and, and even using resources uh, like on YouTube on the internet where you can read and you can listen to, you know, professionals and suggestions. I spent a lot of time, you know, as a web developer, which is my profession, I, I was a technical writer as well. And that didn't really translate to writing a novel. So the, the reason uh, it, it might've taken me longer to write the first book is because I was learning to write as well. I, I took, I had to take the time to read a lot of books and went to, uh, the, you know, the bookstore and the library to learn how to write. So that took some time. And in this second book now is going a lot faster because I've learned a great deal about writing to where it's, it's becoming easier for me. So my suggestion is first do it, commit yourself to doing it. Second, learn how to write, read as much as you can about how to write, you know, and, uh, and then just sit down and, and, and just do it, start doing it. Don't be afraid to, you know, make mistakes. Don't be afraid to, you know, uh, just push forward and, and get your story on paper. When you do the research for these books, you're going way, way back. Uh, is, is most of it done online now, or, or how do you actually do that family research? The family research uh, for Heart of Steel was, uh, as a lot of it was online, because again, I was using Ancestry and 23andMe for some of that, but also. I, I used the library and I, I did use a lot of reference on the internet as well to, to uh, do research on the 1920s. Um, you know, the areas in Ohio and speakeasies and, you know, the, the local, local gangsters um, in Canton, like in Canton, Ohio, uh, there's a, there's a section there that's referred to as little Chicago where all the gangsters, you know, hung out and such. So yeah, I spent a lot of time on the internet. I spent time at the library and actually, you know, the local Barnes and Noble to uh, look up books on history to, um, you know, to kind of integrate into the story. So a little bit of a little bit of all of those. And going back to this, this book about, uh, is it your great, great grandmother? Um, That's got to be even tougher uh, because there's got to be less source material there. So is it putting puzzle pieces together? How do you go about that? Yeah, it is putting puzzle pieces together. And this second book, there is a lot less information. So probably be a little more historical fiction than the first one was um, historical fiction based on a lot of uh, history. I, I did find that my great, great grandfather uh, was a member of the 63rd regiment in the civil war, you know, so, and I know the battles that he fought and the locations and stuff. So I have a lot of history there to integrate into the story where to place the characters. And I've done a lot of research on the, the Haudenosaunee um, nation and, you know, the native Americans in general um, and their history. Cause I want it, cause I, as I write this book, I want to make sure that I honor these great people because as I learn more about their culture, it, it's just amazing. It amazes me. And, and it's, it's, very, it's a very enjoyable experience, which is another thing I would encourage people who want to write a book. Because it's just you learn so much in the process. Kevin Miller has been our guest today on the Big Talker podcast. His book is Heart of Steel. You can find out more about it at heartofsteelbook.com. 
It's available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, wherever you buy your books online. It's an award winner and an Amazon number one bestseller. Kevin, I appreciate you taking time to visit with us today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Burke. I appreciate you having me on. You bet. Kevin Miller, our guest today, award-winning, best-selling author of Heart of Steel, and also a guy who is pretty darn convinced that he and his family had COVID-19 back in December, uh, at least a month before it was publicly announced here in the U.S. And as he said, he's talked to lots of other folks it's coming out publicly uh, that he and his family had it, who also believe they had it. Very interesting stuff. Hey, wherever you are, whatever you do, keep yourself safe. Hold your family close. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.